Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that looks at the inspiration, intention, and actionable steps to help you jumpstart joy in the world, in your life, and in other people's lives. This is your host, Paula Jenkins. This is episode 185. On this week's show, I'm really excited to have CEO and author Skip Pritchard joining me to talk about his recent book, The Book of Mistakes, Nine Secrets to Creating a Successful Future. Ever since he was a very young boy, Skip has been interested at looking at the various things that successful people do. And over the last few years, he's interviewed over a thousand people to talk about this in his own blog, including Condoleezza Rice, Joel Olstein, and Dan Rather. I'm really excited to have Skip on, and I feel like this is one of those conversations and interviews that just flowed so naturally, and so it is a real treat to get to share it with you this week. Before we get there, I want to say a very warm welcome, and I'm so glad that you are here and tuning in. If you're new to Jumpstart Your Joy, it's a podcast that's been around for four years. And in this season, season four, we're looking at the inspiration, intention, and action that go into leading a joyful life. It's been a really interesting season. So I encourage you to head over to the website if you want to find out a little bit more. It's jumpstartyourjoy.com. And there's 184 other episodes in the archives where you can find out more about my take on joy how we need to choose it in our lives every day, and how choosing joy has inspired so many people to change their life, even when they're in a really difficult place or when joy feels like the most improbable thing to choose. For every episode, there are show notes. And for this one, you can find them at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash skip. And I'll link up to his book, along with a couple other things that come up in this conversation. Also, if you love the art of podcasting, I do want to give you the heads up that I will be running my very exciting Jumpstart Your Podcast class where we go from your idea to launching your show in just eight weeks. That will be kicking off in the next few weeks. So if you want to get on the email list for that, you can sign up on the front page of jumpstartyourjoy.com and you'll get an email when we're ready to go. So without further ado, let's get on to this great interview with Skip Pritchard. This week, I am so excited to have Skip Pritchard joining me. He is the author of The Book of Mistake. Uh, Welcome to the show, Skip. Thank you for having me. It's a joy to be here. Thank you. (laughs) I love to hear that. So let's start with the first question I ask everyone, which is, what did you love most as a child or in school? What were your earliest sparks of joy? Almost everything sparked my joy. Mm -hmm. And I'm just take on life and just enjoy so much opportunity. And I can remember actually being an entrepreneur in kindergarten. So I had a lot of joy of forming this little business in the back of the room. And Mm -hmm. it was fabulous. And I was selling things and people were buying them. And it was wonderful up until Mm -hmm. the day that the principal called me to the principal's office in kindergarten. And he said, parental complaints. And I said, what? (laughs) And apparently... Parents were complaining that the kids were spending their lunch money in my little store, and so they shut me down. (laughs) But I had a great time while it was going. What kind of things did you sell in your store? Well, ironically, I sold stories that I wrote. I sold different things that people would make, but I also sold items that they would make. So other people would put put something in the store and we would sell it. 
and they would make a commission. But I remember one time, just to show you, I was a real shrewd entrepreneur. Somebody put something in the store and I made him buy it back when his mom said he had to have it. <laughs> so I actually sold him what he actually gave me the day before. It was a terrible thing, but a, a capitalist from the beginning. Yeah, that that is amazing. And it's funny because there have been a couple of people that come on and they have an entrepreneurial story from when they were a kid. And another one of them was uh, she would sell worms to local fishermen, which Excellent. is also just amazing. Well, I will tell you what was so funny about that, Paula, is I changed yeah. schools and I upgraded and had then started making jewelry, tie tacks and key rings and things. And I took this jewelry and was selling it in the new school, thinking I had no limits again. And I was called to the principal's office again. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, here we go again. I was now in second or third grade and I was, you know, going hat in hand. And I thought, well, I know what this is about. And he said, what are you selling? And I told him, he said, put everything out on the table. And I did. And he said, how much do you charge for this and that? And I worked it all out. And he said, okay, I'm buying all of this. And for now on, you only sell to me. So we have a store here and you're competing with us and we want everybody to be buying only from our store. So he actually encouraged me to uh, to really continue in the business. So that was fantastic as well. That is amazing, especially to encourage a young person to continue their business. Two different principles with two different reactions. And that was probably a big lesson in and of itself as a young person. It really was. It really yeah. was. You learn how people react and you can keep trying if you have a different environment. And I think it's a lesson for all of us that if you have something and someone shuts it down, that does not shut it down for life. Mm -hmm. You can reinvent it in a new way. You can think of a new creative uh, uh, outlet. You can try it in a new environment or a new market. And it's a lesson that stayed with me. Yeah, I love that. Because sometimes things are just either ahead of their time or it's just not right time for the entrepreneur themselves to pursue something. That's really powerful. Um, yeah. And I, I think yeah. we also learn we also learn from reactions of people when we're young, especially. And if adults react really negatively, sometimes that kind of affects us at a different level. Mm -hmm. Even as adults, if we get a really negative reaction, it makes us think twice about doing something again. We tend to just say, oh, I better not try that again. And we have to guard ourselves against that because it could very well be the thing that we're most successful at if we just try it again. And I think that ties in so beautifully with the book of mistakes. I totally devoured your book. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> and would you tell us a little bit about uh, probably about what you do now as a CEO and what inspired you to write the book in the way that you did? Sure. Well, I'm a CEO of a wonderful organization called OCLC, and we help empower libraries with technology and data around the world and have run, I've run other very large global organizations. And the other thing that I do is I have a leadership blog. I've interviewed over a thousand people, very successful people from all walks of life. And I'm fascinated with leadership and personal development and that type of thing. And I, I was really writing a story and I wanted it to be a story because we remember stories and 
I've read so many nonfiction business books and some of them are boring. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. you know, it's just, I wanted to re- I wanted to write something. I was thinking about Jerry Seinfeld's wife, you know, she writes these cookbooks and they're these fabulous cookbooks where the kids are getting zucchini in the chocolate chip cookies and they don't even realize it, but they're getting their vegetables. And in the same way, I thought, well, if I write this story, I'm sneaking in these leadership principles and success principles that somebody who may not want to pick up a nonfiction business book or personal development book would be interested in the story and pulled along. And then yet they're kind of learning and getting their vegetables, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, it's been a lifelong study of success and leadership. And I wanted to pack all of that into a story that said, um, we all learn these mistakes in life. Most of us learn these mistakes too late to make a difference. What if we learn these mistakes earlier? What if we could take the wisdom from the thousand plus people that I've interviewed from my own experience, from my own mistakes, and we could pack that into a book to just help you become more aware of yourself and your actions and the things that you do and hopefully shift your direction just a little bit. And maybe that little bit of a shift would make an enormous positive difference in your life. It's very striking that there is a story that's really well done and intriguing from the get-go and how this person then discovers the nine mistakes. I have to say, I was really, there was something about the first mistake which jarred me because I think so much of what we're taught is, you know, go get a job out of college or high school and and pursue that thing. Like that's kind of the the way of the world. Do you want to talk a little bit about why you put that one first? Because it, it, was, it was powerful to have that be the first one. Yeah, the first mistake is working on someone else's dream. And it is so often the case that we find ourselves drifting in life and we don't realize, you know, how did we get here? Why are we where we are? And why did I major in this? Or why am I in this job? Or why am I in this field? And somebody else encouraged us to do it or pushed us into it. We haven't necessarily thought, what is my purpose? Why am I here? And does this give me energy? Does this give me uh, the joy that I want in what I do? Or am I just finding myself here because of drift, because it just kind of happened? And the most successful people in life that I've interviewed are working on their own dream, not someone else's. In addition, there's numerous research studies on the nearly dying And they will ask them about their regrets. And one of the regrets that comes to the top consistently is, I regret if I was not true to myself. Mm -hmm. And what that's really saying is, you know, am I working on my own dream? It may not actually mean you have to be an entrepreneur and work for yourself. Right. Because it may mean working for myself and working on my own dream is actually in an employment situation. I'm the CEO of a company. I work for the company. It's not my own company. It's a global organization, but it is clearly in my purpose. It is clearly doing the things that give me energy. It is clearly uh, helping libraries, which I think are the great levelers of society, offering opportunity to people to lift themselves up, offering uh, information for people to help them with jobs or growth or research or whatever. Uh, so you can work, but, but it's my dream. So am I working on my own dream? Am I working on this? Am I a unwitting participant in someone else's plan or am I in my unique purpose? I think it's it's a really important starting point. And like I said, the, the, the people who are nearly dying will consistently cite this mm-hmm. to make sure 
am I true to myself? And, and if you're not, you're not as happy. You're not mm-hmm. as fulfilled. You're not living your best life. And it's that simple. Yeah. Thank you. How do you do it? Because so many of us will work for a corporation or a company or, or another entrepreneur. And how do we make sure that we are not then giving up on our own specific dream or purpose? Do you feel like in part, is that part of what your blog and your interview series also does for you? Kind of gives you more of that anchor in your own dream? Well, it does. I'm a big believer that whether you're in your own business or you're working for someone else, I'm a big believer that says you can make that job, and it's a job whether you're working for yourself or for someone else, Mm -hmm. that work day, you can make it what you want over time. So initially, you might not just enter a company entry level and just say, well, I'm going to redefine my job. But if you're really good at what you do over time, you can find ways to migrate to the things that you do best and migrate out of the things that you don't. And you can find other people who surround you who can pick up the areas that kind of drag you down, don't give you energy. And you may find that that's exactly what they like get really geeked out about. And they're just so excited to do it. And you're like, wow, you're the perfect person for me. I I remember hiring one person who had all of these complementary strengths, uh, which is a nice way of saying um, he was, I I said, you're the sum total of all my weaknesses. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really weak at these areas and you're really, really good at these things. And when you find people who can do that, it's an incredible uh, thing. Yeah. Right now, I'm sitting in a studio and I'm with somebody who is amazingly talented, Carrie Shampoo. He's an amazing um, audio, video uh, expert in bringing in technology. And I'm terrible at that. It doesn't give me joy. And not only does it not give me joy, I get incredibly frustrated. I, I would break something. I wouldn't know how to work the basic thing. I couldn't turn it on. But here's this guy who gets enormous joy out of it. He finds all this equipment and he's very creative. He can edit it. He's uh, very clever at how he pulls things together artistically. Wow. Right. So if you can find people who are complimentary to you and you can do what you do really well, they can do what they do really well. And you're both in your joy, right? You're both in your spots. And that success sweet spot happens over time. You can create the job of your dreams even where you are over time. Mm -hmm. Now, some people are listening to this saying, not (laughs) my job, (laughs) no chance. Well, there are times you need to kind of make a left turn. I, I, I think that's true. There's definitely some places where maybe the infrastructure or the leadership is not such that it supports the people in various ways. And so I totally agree that maybe it's it's important to go find them the place that would support you in a way that Absolutely. feels good. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it may be hard to do, but what a wonderful discovery opportunity when you do that and mm-hmm. leave. Often we learn from these toxic environments more uh, lessons and then we yes. know what we want to look for. Right. That's And that's super interesting because I had another conversation with a, a really great leader, Liz Ross. She works in marketing and she's a CEO. Um, And that was one of the things that we talked about was how do you find the place that will support you and kind of give you the space to be all of who you are? Um, And it might be then that you kind of jump around in different roles and find the right one, but that finding the place is sometimes even more important than finding the role that matches kind of on a resume or a job description, because then you can be yourself and find people who 
who, what value that. Absolutely. If you cannot show up in a place as your authentic best self, get out. Yes, get out. That's not joyful at all. It's really hard. (laughs) I love too that in your your book, you kind of, it seems that you've crafted David in a way, the main character, that, that really upholds that thing that you're just talking about is he was in a place where so many of us probably have found ourselves in a job where it feels very, uh, I don't know, oppressive and not a good fit. But once he started to change, I feel like I might go a little Wayne Dyer on us, but like the way that he looked at things, <laughs> the things yes. he looked at changed. So I don't. is there a little bit more on the background of how you created David or about his journey that you would like to share? Yeah, David is the main character and he's designed in a way that hopefully you can imprint your own experience and emotion onto the character because we all go through this to different degrees. Now, he's in a classic situation where he finds himself in a job that's not what he wants to be. And as he goes on this journey and wakes up and becomes more um, authentic, more empowered, he realizes that he can make his own job more successful and more appropriate for him. And he can go on this journey to decide whether or not he wants to branch out on his own. But he, he, when he does branch out on his own, he realizes he doesn't have to. He's coming from a place of strength. I think that's one of the things I always advise people is if you want to start your own business and you're on a job, you don't want to be running away from your job. You want to be able to run to something wonderfully without running away. So you want to leave in, a, in an empowered, positive way. And so David's on this journey and he's learning these things that will make him a better person. He's on this journey of self-development, learning these success principles from these nine teachers that mysteriously appear at just the right time in his life to challenge him in a new way. And I say, if we're open to it and we're looking, teachers will appear to us at just the right moment. And oftentimes in our own lives, in, in a mysterious way, somebody will enter and offer us something that we need at just that right time. If we're really looking for it, and everybody we meet, everybody has the potential to teach us something. Mm -hmm. And so he's on this journey, and he's learning these nine incredible mistakes. And then when he does make his decisions, he's making them from a place of power and not a place uh, where he feels like he's lost. That is really powerful because so many of us will make decisions coming kind of from a place of fear where it seems like if I don't do this thing or sometimes even the fear could be something like, well, my mom always said I should, right? Like then you're, you're, you're deferring your own dream and that probably there's some fear in there somewhere that you're going to let down someone else. Um, so kind of turning it on its head is, was, it is powerful and he's a, he's a remarkable person. Yes. And, and, People do want to give us their shoulds and Mm. they want to tell us what we should do because maybe it's a dream they had or maybe they have hopes for us. You know, it could be positive or negative, but we have to filter the shoulds through our mind and make the product of what we do our own conclusion, our own dream, or or we have to reject it. We, We do much greater damage when we just accept somebody else's should and somebody else's direction and someone else's dream, then we do if we back that up and say, how does that fit in the constructs of my dream? Because I will never be as successful doing your should list if it's not in my dream. And I think it's so hard for us to kind of tease out where is the should coming from? Is it 
is it a deep-seated thing that we know to be true for our authentic self? Or is it something that was planted long ago, even possibly, on a, a dream that came from somebody else? And that's that's a mystery in life, and it's something that we want to explore. And that's why if we have the right people around us, if we're in the right zone, if we're constantly learning, we'll end up with the wisdom to filter and make those decisions for us uniquely at the point in life that we are at that moment. <laughs> um, what have you found in your interviewing of thousands of many of them really well-known people um, like Condoleezza Rice and Joel Olstein and Dan Rather, what have you found? Is there a key differentiator about what success is or how someone becomes successful in those? I mean, you know, that's probably the million dollar question, right? What's the, what's the key? But what do you what did you find? Or was there anything surprising that's come out of that? Well, I would say even you know, core to the book, these nine mistakes mm -hmm. really is the output of, of a thousand plus interviews with unbelievably successful people. And I've had the opportunity to have dinner with Supreme Court justices and hang out with global rock stars and mm -hmm. interview unbelievable sports heroes and journalists and politicians. And as I'm talking to them, I took out these these nine mistakes, these nine things uh, from all of that, and then it's all backed up with research. But the three people you just mentioned, Condoleezza Rice, Secretary Rice, and Joel Osteen, and Dan Rather, I, you know, thinking about them, all three of them were just the kindest people. I mean, mm -hmm. just so kind, so uh, giving. I, I, I mean, those three in particular, I remember Condoleezza Rice coming in and and being interviewed, and she was leaving our city to fly to New York that evening to be, I think, on Bill O'Reilly's and other uh, networks for interviews. And yet she looked at her watch and said, I have time for individual pictures because we had a group picture set up and just really spent the time with each individual and getting to know them and talking about things. A lot of football talk this, <laughs> this <laughs> season we were in. Um, she's a big fan. And, and Joel Osteen just really kind, knows his role, spent a lot of time and and very caring. And Dan Rather, wow, what a kind man. We were talking about work-life balance. And he said, Skip, there's no such thing. I'll never forget him saying that. He said, it's just choices. We make yeah. choices. And he was talking about his role and covering Vietnam and being away from his family. And then so kind. My daughter was there. She was very young at the time, mm -hmm. my wife. We were. I'm going out on stage to interview Dan Rather on stage in New York, and he's backstage, and literally, like on on one knee talking to my daughter, and literally could not be rushed, even though the curtain was coming up and we were on stage. He mm -hmm. would not be rushed. He was spending time with her, and she didn't even know who he was. I mean, just kind and. That's the thing about the most amazing, successful people I've met. They're just, they have this common um, kindness that draws you in. And, and I don't know if the success makes them kind or <laughs> kindness made them successful, but they really are grounded and all different. I mean, you couldn't find, just in those three examples, you couldn't find more different people who right. believe yeah. different things, who have different backgrounds. And yet the commonality is... It's not about me. It's about you. And mm -hmm. how can I learn more about you? How can I bring you out? 
And if you're not careful, you will find yourself talking and answering all the questions and not being able to ask them questions because they're so interested in you, which mm-hmm. is crazy because look who they are. But that's right. what they do. Yeah. Well, and, and I think there's something so special. I mean, about all three of them, obviously. Dan Rather, though, I, I love that description of him spending the moments with your daughter because that does just seem so authentic to who he is. I feel like there's a presence around that man that's just he's there. He's just really there. And so I love that moment behind the curtain. It was it was something I'll never forget. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and again, the producers of the show were pushing us to get out of <laughs> like, get along. You were not yeah. rushing him. <laughs> it's yeah. just not happening. And there's something really symbolic because, uh, well, I mean, I know your daughter's name. It seems like there's something really symbolic about him spending time with someone named Joy, <laughs> you know, and not re- being rushed by it. Like that also strikes me. Um, I noticed in your book, there was at least one mention of joy and gratitude. And I was struck by it because I'm always, of course, looking for mentions of joy. Um, what do you see is the the thread between joy and gratitude? Well, you'll certainly love the fact that uh, my sister is named Joy and my daughter is named, as you pointed out, Joy. Mm-hmm. And actually, her, my daughter's name is actually Aria Joy. So now you see where oh. the other character comes from. Yes. Yeah. You, you know, there is this connection to joy. I, I think joy, and, and I mean, you talk about joy, you're an expert in joy, you study it. Um, and so I don't claim to to be anywhere near your level of expertise on, on the word and, and its implications. But to me, joy always starts with gratitude. I have seen people who aren't grateful just lose their joy. And mm. uh I just think this this joyfulness to to be able to be full of gratitude, to practice gratitude, to have a gratitude journal, to write thank you notes all the time, to be aware of the people and the ideas and the opportunities that we're exposed to. When you really think about that and become grateful, it just changes everything. It mm. it in the book that a grateful spirit magnetizes people, ideas, and opportunity. I mean, we just, we're magnetized to people who are grateful. We give more to people who are grateful. If somebody is incredibly grateful to their boss, they probably get a higher raise than the other people. It's, it's just this this gratitude, all everybody wants to to give more, right? If you have if you have kids and one is just amazingly grateful and thankful and writes you and thanks you and hugs you, oh, I love it. Don't you want to do everything you can for that kid mm-hmm. versus the one that says, "I have three already." <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I got to do it right. Well, yeah. that's the last time you're getting one from me. Well, it's it's g- gratitude just kind of brings this all on and. um all the joyful people that I've met who I would define as full of joy, mm-hmm. they're so grateful. They're so grateful. And th- they're grateful for everything, little things, big things. And they just enjoy the moment with you. Yeah. There is something about sinking into a moment and being able to see it, whatever it is from all different sides that I think is at least kind of the the doorway to contentment. Well, you know what I mean? When you can really spend time and, and ponder and wonder why was this thing created and how did this maybe flower get to be so beautiful? Like, I just feel like there's deep concentration. And, and on the other hand, 
when you're in that moment and feeling gratitude for something, I mean, I think this is even in research somewhere that it's very hard to hold that space and have a negative emotion come in as well when you're really, you know, sinking into gratitude. I think it is. And there is there is research on that um, because your brain can't hold these two opposing ideas in the same time in the same way. Yes. And joy gives way and hormones are actually uh, produced if your gratitude is present, it's going to change your um, opinion and the way you operate in in life. If you're full of gratitude, it makes you full of joy. And I think we all know when we're entitled instead of grat- full of gr- gratefulness, then our joy is not there, right? I mean, mm-hmm, you have yeah. an edge. You're not going to be joyful and appreciative. You're going to be kind of nasty, kind of and, and and all of us have these ranges, right? I'm not mm, talking yes. about joy and saying I'm some perfect and I'm always happy. And, ha- you know, we all have these different moments in our day and our lives where we're, we're not where we want to be. And then it's how do we get recentered? How do we return to that space? And how do we practice this gratitude and get back in a moment that will make us um, alive, aware and awaken to the potential and the possibility uh, that life brings? And when we're in that mode, Wow. So yeah. joyful. I totally agree. And it's been, it seems that you've spent some time with kind of pondering the, uh, the nature of joy. I love it. <laughs> well, I have a sister and a daughter, so I definitely do. And, you, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, w- joy, you know, it's an elusive definition, um, but it's not just simply that happy little feeling that we have, that, right. that happiness. It's that deep down joy. That comes from a, a place that is is different, and we know people who live their lives from that authentic place, and they are much more grounded and powerful and influential at a deeper level than someone who's you just simply describe as happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes. it's just a beautiful thing to witness somebody. You can see somebody who has joy and. You know, my wife uh, has had cancer twice, beat it both mm-hmm. times, very advanced. And she is an amazing person because I can see her in a hospital recovery room in absolute agony, going through things that I know I could never even begin to touch uh, in terms of pain. And yet through that, this extraordinary joy, this extraordinary spiritual presence, this extraordinary grounding in what really matters, and a a joyfulness that I wouldn't describe as happiness because she was not happy at the moment. Right. But I can still think back and I as I close my eyes and picture the the joy inside of her through her eyes, even in the midst of pain. And and that to me is really a, a much more profound level of joy than it would be if I simply say I'm happy, right? Happy so transient. Joy is mm-hmm. not. Yeah. Mm, and there's so, that is really powerful. And um, thank you for sharing that about, about your wife. Cause I think there's something so true is that that's, that joy is something that we can tap into and, and that I, I often call it a wayfaring emotion that it's something that you can aim for and cling to in a way that, yeah, happiness is, you know, a birthday cake or balloons or whatever <laughs> joy is the sustenance of it. And it's, it's interesting how it often gets left 
or looked over in a way that it's, you know, kind of Pollyanna-ish or whatever, or, or not serious. But I think there's a serious undertone to joy that a lot of people miss out on. Um, and that it's often the thing that buoys one along when things are really hard. So, yes, I, I see that. I'm so um, in agreement with you. I, I love it. <laughs> I'm nodding too much. I think my brain is shaking. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, too, because I think I I came to cling to joy in a in kind of and also a really hard time. And, and that's often where the interest, you know, that's kind of where the interesting conversations start is when things get really hard, what is it that you cling to? And, and if it's joy and it can lead you, you know, through something, I don't want to say out of, but through something, then, then I think you're in a really powerful space because it's that decision. And And I think joy is a choice because it, you know, anybody in a really hard spot has that choice. Do I let this thing take me over or, or do I give into it, whatever the hard thing is, or do I cling to the joy of it and just have huge amounts of faith that I'm going to make my way through? Yeah, do I respond or do I react? Absolutely. Mm, brilliant. Yeah. Along that same line of thinking, how do you see joy playing a role in either success or, or leadership kind of in your discussions with so many people? What, what do you see coming through? You know, I've met many successful leaders who I would not describe as joyful. Yeah. And I think in the business sense, for instance, you can have someone short term be successful in a business who does not have joy and yet can grind out uh, successful results as defined by financial results or what have you. <clears throat> I, I think um, leadership though that that i aspire to and has the most impact on me the people who have more impact on others and 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 what is leadership really i mean leadership to me is not simply getting results if you get results and you're more of a manager or an executive that just gets gets the results but leadership is influencing others in a positive powerful way and who are we drawn to we're not drawn to somebody who says, I increase free cash flow by X dollars or our earnings, our EBITDA is up by this amount, right? That, I mean, I don't think most of us wake up and say, hooray, my EBITDA is up 12%. That's <laughs> my, and I want to find out what, what it's that person. Yeah. But I'm drawn to someone who inspires me to be the best version of myself. I'm drawn to someone who's pushing me to realize all that I can be and the unique gifts that I bring. Well, those people are almost always full of joy. Mm -hmm. They're they're drawing people in from a, a joyful place, from a place of uh, positive intention and, and power that is unique and not simply just result-oriented. And, and it's just a very interesting thing. And, of course, I, I wouldn't bring in uh, religious perspectives, but you find different people's um, belief systems and, and what they have. It's just curious and interesting to see that because the the joy that comes from a, a place from outside that then goes inside and how it changes your life is is an interesting journey. And so, yeah, mm -hmm. leadership to me is a, a very crucial component to to be a successful leader. To me, long term impact joy is one component, and it's one that you notice uh, very often with people who are living an authentic leadership style. I agree. And I think 
it's interesting that you brought up the religion side of it. My background happens to be religion and religious studies is where I got my degrees. Who knew, you know, how that would actually get used? There was <laughs> there was no clear job path for me on that. I also really loved what Brene Brown said in her Netflix. Uh, well, and she talks about it elsewhere, but her Netflix special is is special. And she talks about there how, um, and in Daring Greatly, about how joy is most often witnessed and experienced by people when they have um, gratitude, which we've <laughs> touched on, and some sort of spiritual practice. Um, and that's kind of like her, in the research, that's what she's found. So I think there's something... I mean, it, it's um, it's been documented that that actually is part of part of the equation for many people. It it and and it is. I haven't seen that yet. I actually have it on my list. I can't wait mm-hmm. to watch it because she's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. But they they are often linked. I grew up in a home where we took people in from all different religions and backgrounds and races who came in from all over the world. We would take these people in. My mm-hmm. parents would help people who were really abused and addicted and. I kind of got my earliest study on success from that because somebody would succeed and somebody else would be back on drugs and be back in the house. But they had a Christian spiritual practice um, where they didn't push it on anyone or um, anything like that, but but they were living their own Christian beliefs from a, a place of authenticity and how do we love people and be love and represent love in every way that anybody, wherever they are, wherever they come from, can we just love them? And these people were broken and, and abandoned. And I saw the joy from that and the joy that they exhibited um, from being grateful for all that they had and for the salary that they brought in to divide it up between so many people. I mean, where did this, where did they even have the money to to do this for all these people is amazing, but they did it joyfully. They did it gratefully. They did it authentically and it created more joy in the household uh, for everybody. And those people were affected because they came in broken, abandoned, addicted, abused, and they left more whole and more fulfilled and more joyful. And it was a beautiful thing to watch. That is, it is really beautiful. And it is, I really also loved what you said about how something that's external to you, meaning I'm assuming in that context, it's a spiritual belief system can become internal to you and then influence so much of what you do. Yes. And seeing then the ripple effect of that, of people who felt broken and had had a really hard go of it for them to experience something very different and then believe in themselves again. And none of their influence either, Paula, none of their influence would have mattered if they were just saying it and talking about it, right? Mm. What what made a difference was they were living it and giving it. So many people want to just talk about it. If you actually live it, what an impact that has. What a fundamental change it made to people's lives when they had nowhere to go. Now you're actually saying, this is what love is. I'm going to accept you just the way you are. I'll, I'll tell a little story if if you don't mind about sure, my, yes. one of the people. It just popped in my head. But one of the women, young women that was in the house, she was learning to cut hair. And so she says to my mom, can I practice on you? My mom says, sure. Well, the practice, this girl was had some problems, let's just say. And uh, when we came around the corner, she had literally shaved my mom's half of her head. 
uh, without her knowledge, of course. Today, mm-hmm. that might be actually kind of cool. It was not cool back yeah. then. <laughs> <laughs> Today, we'd be like, yeah, you're happening. That was not the way it was. And I, I watched her reaction. It's one I, one of those moments in my life I will never forget because I would, I naturally got really mad. I could feel my blood pressure, although I didn't know it was blood pressure when I was a kid, but I could feel, you know, as a young man, um, just really, I was about to blow. And she looks in the mirror when they were holding it up to her, looks back, looks in the mirror, looks back at the girl. And then she put the mirror down. She stands up and she puts her arm around the girl and she says, it's okay, honey. I love you. Mm. That girl broke down. And I saw right there what leadership really was, what love really is, what gratitude really is, what authenticity really is, and even what joy is. Yeah. It's, I'm not here for some transient moment. I'm here for you. And if you come from that place, the power in that is incredible. It really is. Mm, That was a delightful moment. Um, And so probably opposite to what that girl had experienced in almost every other part of her life. I mean, is my guess, you know, that the. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I often think I think she was she was testing her. Right. She Mm -hmm. was saying, well, how 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 much is this love that you've talked about? How authentic is it? Do you really love me or is it just because of what I do and and act? And what she learned was, no, I love you inside for who you are, not for something you're doing, not for, you know, whether you do something wrong, whether you insult me or, or, or do this or that, but I love you. And if love comes from that place of authenticity, that's power. And what my mom was saying is that's what Christian love is here in this house. Yes. And here's a living example that you also can fully experience and take with you for the rest of your days. I mean, to know that there is this kind of love possible here in this existence is, wow, that is a powerful gift too. Yeah. Mm. And it's it's not easy, right? Because we, no. we all want to make judgments and we look at people and we think, what are you this and that and the other? But can we look beyond that? Can we look at people and say, you know what? I want to understand you. I want to get to know you and I want to appreciate your uniqueness because we all have these unique design. We have unique gifts. We have unique belief systems. We have unique behaviors. We have unique characteristics. And all of that is beautiful. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful thing. So we need to understand each other. And I think we have more joy inside of us when we recognize this incredible quilt, this incredible patchwork of personality and people and Instead of running away from it, we recognize the beauty and the diversity of the way we are and the way we think and the way we show up. Totally agree. And that we can honor the spark of divinity, whatever that might be and whatever someone's belief system is, but that we honor that there is that spark of creation and divine in each person. Um, or maybe that's the reflection of love, but that we honor it instead of just look for the differences. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. I know one of the things that is true of the audience is that there are a lot of entrepreneurs slash solopreneurs that listen to the show. And many of them haven't necessarily gotten a formal education in leadership or in running a business. What kind of words of wisdom or advice would you give people who are, I don't know, they're kind of new at this maybe. And, and I know you've talked to a lot of people and you have a lot of personal experience around it. 
Yeah, I mean, it it is interesting. There's so much to learn. There's so much to know. And we have this amazing opportunity today to learn from so many outside sources, good podcasts, great books, great materials, great videos. Um, And I think it starts off when we're leading others in understanding ourselves Mm -hmm. and our own impact and what we are like and how we can dial up or dial down our own leadership uh, personality, right? Our intensity, our energy, our achievements, our feelings, our relational aspects. That the if we want to lead a a business, an entrepreneur, whether we're a solopreneur or a small business or whatever, it's very important that we understand ourselves. So we understand our impact on others, how we're showing up, what people are seeing. Because people buy you way before they buy a product, right? People buy you mm-hmm. before they buy your service. So how are we showing up? And are we showing up in the best way we want? Not in a, let me polish this up and make myself look good even though I'm not, um, but show up authentically, but in the very best we can. So to me, we have to always be working on ourselves. I remember Jim Rohn telling me over and over, he said this quote, I heard him say over and over, work harder on yourself than you do on your job. Mm-hmm. If you work hard on your job, you'll make money. If you work hard on yourself, you'll make a fortune. And whatever we are, solopreneur to leading a billion dollar company, we have to be continually working on ourselves. And I have um, at the book of you can actually take a quiz that tells you, by the way, your character and who you are. And it gives you your strength, like which teacher would you be? And it's important to know your strength because your strength is the place where you can um, really be authentic, really be the most powerful in helping others. So I think that's really important. To me, self-leadership is where it all starts. And all the education in the world doesn't help you if you don't have good self-leadership good self-discipline, good self-esteem. Uh, that's, to me, the starting point. Yeah, thank you. And I will link up to the to that, um, to that quiz in the show notes. I think it's true. And just kind of in my own world, it's, yeah, I mean, you could learn all the stuff that you, <laughs> that they could teach you in an MBA program, but I don't know that that would ever prepare you for actually being, in many ways, a leader. You kind of have to define that role for yourself. So, I think that that quote about work harder on yourself is really, really amazing. Thank you for sharing it. If people are curious about where they can find your book or your amazing blog and learn more about you, where where can they find you? Well, I'm at skippritchard.com. There's no T in Pritchard, S-K-I-P-P-R-I-C-H-A-R-D.com or thebookofmistakes.com. And of course, you can find me on Twitter and all of the other places. All those links are off of my blog. And I love to hear from people and hear their stories of what they're working on and their own mistakes and dreams and what resonated with them in the book and how they're changing and the journey that they're on. Uh, that That is very inspiring because we do want people to be more joyful, be happier, be more fulfilled, more successful. Yeah. Yeah, because it definitely changes. It changes everything around you when you can tap into those, to those higher vibe um, emotions and states of being. I, I I agree. So yeah, I will link up on that. Um, what comes to you when you think of the crossroads of action, intention, and joy? Action, intention, and joy. Mm-hmm. What a wonderful 
crossroads. I think what comes to me first is how rarely that is, that all three come together. And when it is, it becomes a, a beautiful moment, right? Where action and your intention and joy. I mean, just take any two of those together and it would be unique, right? Yeah. Are my actions and my intentions aligned? That's not an easy place mm-hmm. to be yeah. and to find. Um, when you do find that, um, is joy the output? Is joy part of it? Is joy that intersection? Um, I think that is um, to really, as as I could tell from getting to know you and your podcast, you're very deep and the crossroads of those three things to me, it's, I think if you could, if you could cross all three of those things, I mean, wow, isn't that successful? If your action is lined up with your intention and your joy, I mean, what else could you be hoping for at that moment? (laughs) That's incredible. How can we find that? You know, because it's not about new year's resolutions or something, or, you know, how do I get better? Or, you know, I'm going to will myself this. I mean, those three things are incredible to intersect. Yeah. Well, and it's kind of, it's been the, the journey of this season of how do we align those things or where does joy show up when you align yourself with um, action and intention? So uh, yeah, I think it's, it's kind of a life journey. (laughs) It's probably the answer I would give to. (laughs) Well, it is. And what I, what I love about it though, is it implies, you know, action is external and intention is internal and joy's like kind of that outflow that comes from internal to external, right? Mm -hmm. Or or it's just a, it's a beautiful way of phrasing that. And um, most of us get so busy in actions and we're achievement oriented. We, we forget about intention and purpose. Yeah. And joy is this elusive thing out there that someday I hope to be joyful when I'm retired on a beach. Well, that's not what it's about. right? Yeah. So how do we rearrange that in a way that all three of these things are intersecting? And when we do find that, we want to make it not elusive, but permanent in our lives. Mm, so well put. Yes. Um, the last question that I love to ask everyone is what are, <laughs> what are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives? Mm, what a great question. I think immediately book a flight to Maui. <laughs> it's so, you can't, can you not be happy there? <laughs> but no, yeah. I, I think, I think three, three things that you can do, and we talked about some of them, is one, practice gratitude. Um, make it part of your day, part of your practice. Um, the second is very difficult in the world that we're in. <clears throat> Excuse me, it's space. It's creating space, creating margin in your life. Uh, we tend to be overbooked, overscheduled, overengineered, and when we're not, when we have a down moment, what do we do? We pick up the smartphone. We react to things. We, we just let more incoming. We don't enjoy the space. So I would say practice gratitude. Number two, practice space, practice margin, practice peace and silence and, and be comfortable with that. It's very hard in a noisy world to find silence and let that be over you. And the third is live your unique purpose back to working on your own dream and not someone else. Um, you will definitely find that you can jump st- start joy in your own and other people's lives if you're living in your purpose. It will give you energy. It will be unique. It will attract people and ideas to you if you're living in your purpose. So practice gratitude, have margin, live your purpose. That would be my top three. Thank you so much, Skip. I I love them. And um, of course, the irony of 
enjoy the silence and create space, the garbage truck pulls up and is making all this noise outside my window. I would love a little little space, a little more margin. Um, well, thank you so much for being on the show this week. It's been such a joy to get to to, to talk to you and and just share so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I, I love what you're doing to spark joy in the world, and it is uh, incredibly motivating. And and just thank you. I'm I'm very grateful that you invited me on. Mm, thank you. Skip, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation and for being on the show this week. I really appreciate it. And I really love the wisdom that you shared. It's always so great to have a fun conversation like this and get to share it with other people. If you guys want to find out more about Skip or get the link to his book, you can find it in the show notes. And that is at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash skip. There'll be a link there for you all to find his book and also tune into some of those other interviews that's that Skip's done, and I think you'll really enjoy listening to them. He is a great interviewer. Also, while you're on jumpstartyourjoy.com, you can find out more about starting your own podcast if you're feeling like you would like to give literal voice to your own message and find a way to do it. There's a cheat sheet there that has all of the hardware and software that I use to create the show each week all for you to enjoy. And also, if you get on the email list, then you will also find out when I'm opening up the registration for Jumpstart Your Podcast, which is, of course, my podcasting boot camp class that runs just about once a year. And it will be kicking off very soon where we'll take you from idea to launch in just eight weeks. And it's a really fun class that I love to teach live. It's a really, it's a good time. So I hope you'll join me for that as well. And next week on the show, I am super excited to have my friend and VA... Mallory joining me. She and I are going to talk about are going to talk about creating a heart-centered and authentic business and also talk about the process that we've created and how we've how we've gone about creating that process and how we've gone about creating that process for my podcast. But also there's some things here that you could definitely apply for any kind of process you're creating in your own business. So that's going to be a fun and lively conversation. We will no doubt <laughs> talk about sci-fi and I don't know I feel like Katniss Everdeen might come up so be sure and tune in we love chatting and I think it will be a really fun conversation so I hope you'll come back next week for that and until then I hope that your days are filled with so much joy